Coming to you from Beaumont, this is your house call. The results of my MRI were shocking. I had a baseball-sized tumor at the base of my spine. It was cancer. My doctors told me it was a sacral chordoma, a rare bone cancer that only 300 Americans are diagnosed with each year. Even worse, they told me treatment is complex because the tumor was located at the base of my spinal cord near arteries and nerves. So I started digging into treatment options. This was my life. I had to do my research. Surgery, I learned, was the most common treatment, but the risks were too complicated. I could lose function below my waist, including bowel and bladder, and even then, there was a high risk of recurrence. So I kept digging. Every doctor I talked to seemed to have a different opinion. I did some more digging and my research led me to Michigan where a doctor wrote a paper about the benefits of something called proton therapy on Cordoma. I live in California, but I knew I needed to talk to this doctor. 2,400 miles away and soon enough, I was boarding a plane. Now imagine a 196-ton cancer-killing machine that can target a patient's tumor with sub-millimeter precision while sparing nearby healthy tissues and minimizing side effects. What is this? Proton therapy. Hello, and welcome to the Beaumont House Call podcast. I'm Dr. Asha Shahjahan, and you just heard a story from one of my guests, Tracy Clifford. Also joining us in our conversation today is Dr. Craig Stevens, Chair of Radiation Oncology for Beaumont Health. Dr. Stevens, thanks so much for being here today. I know you were working all day with your patients. It's, it's a pleasure. Well, thanks so much for having me. So, Dr. Stevens, you not only have a medical degree, but you have a PhD as well. Mm-hmm. And you've published dozens of articles and book chapters and presented at educational conferences around the world. What is proton therapy? Uh, proton therapy is both a new and an old technology. Uh, so the, the concept of proton therapy, which was actually developed in the 40s and 50s, um, is that protons go into normal tissues and tumor tissues and stop. So there's a potential for a huge dose advantage in terms of protecting normal tissues. And over the last 50, 60, 70 years, we've developed better ways of applying the protons and better ways of lining our patients up and imaging them to make sure that the protons go to the right spot. And it really took that long to bring the kind of technology that we have here at Beaumont uh, to reality. So is that the major difference between the traditional radiation therapy, the precision? Uh, Yes, and it's because x-rays go all the way through a patient, and energy is deposited uh, very much in a a dose-dependent way, Uh, but it, it produces damage on the way in and on the way out. Uh, proton therapy, on the other hand, really just produces a little bit of damage on the way in and then dumps all of its energy in a very, very narrow range uh, called the Bragg Peak. And 
the place where that energy is deposited is really dependent on the uh, incident energy of the beam mm -hmm. uh, and the density of tissue through which it goes. So you can be extremely precise in how you really paint dose into a tumor and hence also paint the dose away from normal tissues. So what kind of cancers can be treated with proton therapy? Well, most cancers can be, uh, but we find that it's important to do comparative plans so that you can really pick the cancers where there's the biggest advantage. In our experience, the pediatric cancers, of course, come to the top of the list. Mm -hmm. um, our very vulnerable patients, uh, like our kids, uh, have long, long times to develop late side effects. The peak for second malignancies from radiation therapy is at 40 years. Oh, wow. That can be a big problem for six-year-olds. Yeah. Um, and so uh, kids benefit tremendously from proton therapy. Also, young adults benefit as well, 25, 30, 40-year-olds that unfortunately sometimes need radiation therapy for things like Hodgkin's disease, lymphomas, seminomas, uh, sarcomas, tumors of younger people, uh, but not necessarily kids. Um, so they have huge benefits as well. Uh, the next group of patients um, are somewhat older patients that have big dosimetric advantages. Um, that tends to be people like head and neck cancer patients, brain tumor patients, lung cancer patients, and colorectal cancer patients. There's been a lot of advantages seen um, in treating the pelvis uh, with proton therapy. Uh, and one of the things that we've been able to do uh, here at Beaumont is for things like prostate cancer, where historically there hasn't been a huge advantage for protons. The dosimetry uh, with protons has actually allowed us to shorten the treatment course. So what used to be 44 business days of treatment is now down to 20 to 25. So you talked a lot about the benefits. What are some of the side effects of uh, proton therapy? Well, the side effects are very similar to radiation therapy in general, which is that uh, normal tissues adjacent to the tumor uh, get more dose than you would like to give them. And so um, I'm a, a lung cancer expert. And so in the chest, uh, we see radiation dose to the esophagus. Uh, so people get a sore throat from the radiation therapy. Um, now, it, that seems to be a little bit better with proton therapy. Uh, the dose to the heart is actually dramatically less. So late cardiac side effects go down uh, hugely for lung cancers that are treated with proton therapy. The uh, dose in the, the low-dose region to the lung is also less. Uh, so there's a lot of advantages for proton therapy in the lungs, for example. Does proton therapy have a higher cure rate than the conventional radiation therapy? No. Uh, the real advantage is in uh, uh, less side effects. Mm -hmm. um, another potential advantage, though, is in a rarer situation, is that patients that have failed conventional x-ray therapy can still potentially be salvaged with uh, proton therapy because of that ability to spare adjacent normal tissues. So you can put very much larger additional doses in uh, at much less risk to the patients. And, and those patients actually have a much higher cure rate than they would with x-rays. Now, if uh, you're a cancer patient and your cancer has spread, it's metastasized, would you still be a candidate for proton therapy? Rarely. Mm -hmm. uh, this is really a, a therapy where we're really looking at long-term side effects. And, you know, unfortunately today for patients with, with widely metastatic disease, that long-term isn't really long enough. The proton therapy at Beaumont, you know, I heard there's only 25 in the country. 27 now. 27 in the country. And there's a special pencil type technology. Can you explain that a little bit? 
it, it's a, a relatively new technology in the way that we uh, paint dose into the patient. It's very much uh, like delivering radiation like a Surratt painting with little tiny dots of dose that add up uh, to a relatively uniform dose across the, uh, the tumor. Uh, and so uh, what we're able to do is to get doses that are very, very precise um, into a very conformal uh, shape. And that allows us to potentially uh, treat patients and cure them with less late side effects. The adjacent normal tissues generally get much lower dose. What percentage of your patients would you say uh, qualify for proton therapy? Well, that's a combination of potential clinical benefit uh, as well as insurance coverage. Mm-hmm. Um, and on top of that, our machine is still um, addressing the, the issue of uh, very mobile tumors. So you might imagine trying to paint a Surratt painting with the canvas moving an inch or two at a time while you paint the dose. We aren't comfortable yet treating a lot of highly mobile tumors. And unfortunately, lung cancers move a lot. With resp- even with quiet respiration, you can have a tumor that moves an inch or two. Uh, and so of, of the patients, of all the patients that I see, about 10% are good candidates for protons. Of patients with relatively immobile tumors that really benefit from protons, it's about a third. So, you know, I'm a primary care physician, and I'm often seeing patients uh, with cancer diagnoses in my office. So if I had a patient that was interested in, in proton therapy or wanted to learn more about it, how would I go about the referral process? And, um, you know, you mentioned insurance companies. I imagine it varies per per person. But um, in general, what advice would you give me? Um, well, first, I'd tell you to call our hotline number. And we have nurse navigators that actually triage patients to the appropriate radiation oncologist that's an expert in, in, in proton therapy. So what they do is they, they actually look at the uh, oncologic specialization of our radiation oncologist. So all of our radiation oncologists at Beaumont actually specialize in one or two cancers only. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this gives them tremendous expertise uh, in terms of managing side effects as well as treatment planning uh, and the like. And so... Um, what the nurse navigators do is they triage the patients into the appropriate uh, radiation oncologist. Today we're talking about a powerful tool that helped Tracy Clifford to fight against cancer. Tracy, thanks for being here all the way from sunny California and sharing your experience. You're very welcome. I heard you're a big basketball fan. Is that true? That is true. And you're pretty active yourself. I am. Uh, well, do you play any sports? I golf a lot. Yeah? And I hike. Okay, fantastic. You know, I heard that uh, you had a fall when you were at home. Tell me about that. I did. My wife and I were out celebrating her birthday, and we came home to a sick dog. And I was on the floor comforting my dog. And my wife said, let's go to bed. And I said, give me a hand up. And she started to lift me off the floor. And uh, she slipped. She was still in her heels. Oh, no. (laughs) And dropped me on the hardwood floor. And uh, I thought I broke my tailbone, and that's actually how I found out that I had the tumor. Oh, goodness. Tell me a little bit about how you ended up here in Michigan, you know, all the way from California. Like, what was the process of you finding um, Michigan as a place to come? Sure. The process was actually quite lengthy. Um, There wasn't a lot of information about this particular form of cancer because only 300 people a year get it in America, and it's very rare. So there's not a lot of information on it. 
So I had to dig deep for any kind of data. And there were not a lot of empirical studies on it that had lengthy follow-up either because it hasn't been recognized for a long time. So here's what I'm wondering. You know, as a physician myself, I see patients all the time who have just gotten a diagnosis of cancer. And one of the biggest things they struggle with is information overload. Like, I read this study and I read that study. And it sounds like you've now become versed in studies talking about empirical studies. How, you know, how do you sift through that as a patient who's struggling with cancer? Um, it was difficult at first because the Internet is full of a lot of information that's very, very scary and not that informative. Yeah. Um, I actually got a little um, depressed by it, and my imagine. wife yeah. picked up the ball on the studying a lot. And she's the one that came across the idea of radiation, and originally we were looking at it as a pre-surgery treatment. Okay. to shrink the tumor and possibly the impact post-surgery on the nerves. Um, when we went into the radiologist in San Francisco, he then informed me that radiation is a suitable alternative when surgery is not an option mm -hmm. or the outcome of surgery is not a welcome uh, outcome. So I started digging into that. I found out there were a lot of different types of radiation therapy. Um, there's photon, um, which has uh, is light-based and has potential to impact surrounding organs because it doesn't stop at the tumor. And I found out that proton was more direct and stops at the tumor and has less of an impact on surrounding organs. How much time do you think it took you to sift through all that information? And, you know, I would say from the time of, that you got the diagnosis to the time of actually coming and getting your treatment, how, mu how much time was that? Well, Asha, that was the scary part because it took me a long time and the cancer's still inside you while you're doing your research. Yeah. So, um, but I wanted to get it right. It was very, very important to us. And the choices were surgery and the loss of functionality below the waist um, or take this alternative. And um, it wasn't until my radiation oncologist in San Francisco gave me Dr. PK's paper from here at Beaumont, mm -hmm. and we read that. It was a little difficult because it was very scientific. I can imagine. Even I can barely read these <laughs> right? studies. Yeah. So I was fortunate enough to get... Uh, Dr. PK's cell phone number wow. and had a lengthy conversation with him uh, on my commute home from work one night. Okay. And he was very candid, very straightforward and talked to me just like a normal person. And it made me feel very, very comfortable about the option of proton beam radiation. I imagine you've seen many doctors in your journey and in your process and I appreciate the fact that you said you felt very comfortable with this particular physician. You know, I think the patient-physician bond is, is extremely important, especially when, as a doctor, you know, when I'm giving a treatment plan to someone, you know, how much of that has really played a role in your psyche when it comes to your treatment? Like, your trust in your doctor and just the availability of being able to pick up the phone, I'm sure that's, that's helpful not only to you, but your wife as well. Yes, absolutely. It was one of the core is part of the core foundation of making the decision to come here. Um, I met with a lot of doctors, and a lot of them 
basically kind of towed the line with the data. This is what you need to do. You have to have surgery. Um, this is the only option for you. And until I really looked into it and found out that, you know, the recurrence rate was high, even with surgery, um, and the loss of functionality, and the studies so far with Proton were fairly positive and somewhat near the outcomes of surgery. Tell me a little bit more about Proton. So now you've been through it. Mm-hmm. What is it like? What is what is the experience? Sort of walk me through as like you get there and what all needs to be done and how are you feeling before, after? <laughs> a little apprehensive before, yeah. uh, not knowing what to expect. Um, I didn't know if I was going to get bit by a spider and shoot webs out of my wrists or <laughs> what was going to happen. Uh, but frankly, uh, once I got here, the entire team here at Beaumont put me at ease. And once I had my first treatment, it made it very clear that the treatment itself wasn't as grueling. There were effects of the treatment, like burns on the skin and things like that, but nothing overly dramatic. So the treatments itself um, were relatively straightforward. How long were you in the, th- in the treatment? And, you know, did you feel any pain during the treatment? Was it loud? Like, what, what was it like? The machine itself is intimidating. Yeah. So the machine is three stories. You only see one story it's of it. It's a three-story machine. Yes. So you're walking up to this thing, and it's like a building. Well, you only see one story. Okay. <laughs> Strategically. Yes. Um, but it is loud, but they play music. You can only play the music so loud because it will impact the beams. So you know I'm going to ask you what you listen to. Well, that was the beautiful part about the staff. They actually let me pick my music every day and put my own music on. Oh, great. So it just really depended upon my mood, like, every day. Yeah? Are you, like, a Frank Sinatra kind of guy, or are you more... What are you into? You may be surprised, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's a couple local uh, Bay Area hip-hop uh, artists that I really nice. like. Nice. Yep. Nice. Lyrics Born and Del the Funky Homo Sapien. Love me. it! Um, but then some days I was more jazz-oriented. Versatile. So, yeah. It just really depended upon my mood that day. So how many days did you have to undergo this treatment? 43. 43 consecutive days? Well, five days a week for nine and a half weeks. Oh, my gosh. Yes. What was going through your mind when you were getting the treatment? Were you just sort of zoning out, or were you, were you thinking? What were you thinking about? I was envisioning. So when the treatments happened, I picked a soothing color. I pictured that color, and I envisioned the cancer leaving my body. That's beautiful. So now that you've completed uh, your therapy, what are your thoughts? What are you thinking? Um, I'm glad that I chose this path. Um, It was a very personal decision. Um, I, you know, I'm reluctant to suggest it for everyone only because it is such a personal decision Mm -hmm. for me it was about um, measuring the potential impact or the not even potential impact the impact of surgery and losing functionality and the impact on my quality of life absolutely Um, at my age i'm 58 
Um, I've still got life left. I want to be able to enjoy um, as much of my life as possible. I have San Francisco Giants season tickets, and I want to go to baseball games when I want to go to baseball <laughs> games. I want to go to Warriors games. Um, and I didn't feel I could have that kind of quality of life. And so that was a big part of the decision. Talk about you know ringing the bell, and for the mm-hmm. listeners who don't know what that is, just describe that process of you know you completed your treatment and you're ringing this bell. What is that about? Well, it's good that I had the opportunity to explain this to somebody earlier because I wept openly in public about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, it's very uh, overwhelming. It's emotional. It's the end of a journey. It's the end of a lot of friendships that were developed with the people here. It's not the end of the friendship, but won't be seeing them every day, five days a week for nine and a half weeks. So it was uh, it was almost cleansing as well. I bet you felt like an accomplishment as well, that you um, went through it all. And- oh, yeah. You know, it's kind of like you did it. Oh, yeah. It's like your trophy, right? They gave me a graduation certificate. All (laughs) all the nurses signed it and everything, which was really nice. But I think uh, it's an important part of the process because it is uh, the culmination of this nine-and-a-half-week journey that I had been on. And it's not even like it was nine-and-a-half weeks. It was actually more like nine months from the time I was diagnosed to the time I got through the treatment. You know, you were talking about your wife, and a lot of people who I see in the office, they struggle with, you know, my family member has been diagnosed with cancer, or, you know, my mother, you know, my child, whoever it is. As someone who has this diagnosis, what advice would you give people about supporting someone with cancer? Like, what is... What did you find to be the most supportive um, thing for you? It was really surprising to me how many people really were there. Um, before I came out, or when I was coming out, I should say, I actually put something on Facebook just to let people know I was starting this journey. Mm-hmm. I'm not a big believer in oversharing right. uh, on social media, but... I put it out on Facebook that I was starting this journey, and people from my childhood days, locals, people all over were just so, so supportive. Um, My wife, uh, her work was very supportive of her efforts, and she was able to work out of Detroit and move here with me during the treatment. Um, So that was extremely helpful. We were able to rent a house in Birmingham. We got to know the town very well, loved it and uh, made a lot of new friends here. So after you had all of your treatments, were you feeling um, any nausea or fatigue or, you know, how long after your treatments did you feel pretty much back to yourself? I felt a little fatigue after I finished my treatments. It was a a long journey and every day and the radiation took its toll a little bit from that perspective. Uh, No nausea, no other side effects other than the... uh, irritation on the skin. Did you do any meditation or mindfulness or, you know, talk to family and friends, journaling? Like, what was your coping mechanism? I did meditation, um, but that was pretty much it. My coping mechanism is to live my life to its fullest and get the quality of life that I made this decision for. 
And so you're on your way back to San Francisco, yes? Yes. Got to catch a plane in a little bit. I don't want to keep you too long. Such is my life. What is the first thing you're going to do when you get back to San Francisco? Well, kiss my wife, hug (laughs) my dog. What kind of dog do you have? Australian Shepherd. Mm Oh, okay. And then open a good bottle of wine. Oh, yes. Sounds fantastic. Well, thank you so much for joining us. And, you know, it was really... It really touched me that you were able to tell your story in such a candid way. And I know it might have been difficult to do. And I'm sure listeners really appreciate it. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. So, Dr. Stevens, Mm -hmm. Tracy came all the way from California for uh, the proton therapy. I'm sure you're seeing people from across the country, probably Canada. Where where are you seeing patients come from? We get calls from from around the world. We've had calls from Iran and and Australia as well. So uh, really, uh, we've, we've uh, gotten calls from many, many places. Tracy was so impressed with the fact that he had a great relationship with his doctor. And he sort of talked about, from his perspective as a patient, how it really made a difference in his cancer care. I'd like to just get your thoughts, Dr. Stevens, on, you know, these patients are with you for 45 plus some days, you know, they're flying in from around the world. You know, how do you how do you make them feel comfortable? And, and what is your relationship with your patients? Sure. Well, one of the great things about radiation oncology as a field uh, is our ability to develop long term relationships with our patients. Um, we see our patients, as you mentioned, uh, sometimes every day for weeks, uh, we get to know their families. Um, and then we see them in follow up for years, sometimes decades. And it's really that special long term relationship that I find wonderful about radiation oncology. Some of my patients have asked me, you know, is this still considered an experimental therapy versus um, an actual evidence-based guideline therapy? I believe it's important to learn from as many patients as possible. And so all of the patients that we see, um, we offer them a registry trial that allows us to follow them long-term and publish the results. So I believe it's very important that we continue to learn from our patients. That said, as I was saying, this technology has been around for many decades. Mm -hmm. And so I think that it is reasonably stable, well-proven technology that has been advancing to allow us new opportunities in the way we deliver protons and in the way we line people up so that we can narrow our margins and and thereby deliver a better therapeutic ratio for our patients. What's the most exciting thing about the new technology of proton therapy compared to everything you've seen over the last 20 some years? Well, the the best thing is the integration of highly precise dose delivery with the imaging capability to make sure that the patient's in exactly the right spot. So for many years, we didn't have three-dimensional imaging that would make sure that the tumor was necessarily in the right spot. And so the way that you account for that is you put extra margin on. Well, that means extra normal tissue got treated. So for our oldest data with proton therapy, there was as much as half, three-quarters of an inch of extra normal tissue that was irradiated simply because we couldn't see where the tumor was every day. Mm -hmm. Today, we have three-dimensional imaging. Our patients are imaged with a built-in CT scanner every day uh, to make sure the tumor's in exactly the right spot for their entire treatment. And what that lets us do is use two or three millimeter margins instead of seven or eight millimeter margins, and that reduces the normal tissue dose. 
What are you hopeful for in the future in radiation therapy? Well, my hope is that we come up with a, a simple magic bullet that cures all cancer easily and without side effects. Uh, unfortunately, we're far from that. In the meantime, what we have to do is use the best combinations of uh, surgery, radiation therapy, chemotherapy, immunotherapy, and molecularly targeted therapies to maximize the chance of our patients staying alive with minimal side effects. One of the most important aspects, actually, of modern cancer therapy is the fact that patients now live for decades after having completed cancer therapy. Mm -hmm. So the side effect profiles really do become much more important. Uh, is there any telemedicine involved, for example, for a second opinion? So if I'm a patient and you know I have a diagnosis and I've tried different treatments and I just maybe want a second opinion if this could work for me. Absolutely. Uh, we're very uh, interested in, in telemedicine here at Beaumont. Uh, and by calling our proton number, we would be able to um, uh, uh, triage patients so that they can have calls uh, uh, with the appropriate doctor. For example, Tracy spoke personally with uh, Dr. Payman Kebelizida, who's our expert in sarcoma treatment, and um, who actually came to us from Mass General. And so um, he was able to start the relationship building process even over the phone. And, and that kind of contact, I think, really helped uh, to make him more comfortable with uh, coming this far and actually seeing the center, uh, getting to know our team, uh, and then making a, de a decision to come here. So I asked Tracy, you know, how he felt when he rang his, the bell of his last treatment. And, you know, he got a little emotional. And I just wonder from a physician's perspective, what does that feel like for you to see your patient go through their last treatment and they're ringing that bell? And um, what is that like? Well, it's a real highlight for our patients. And in fact, I pushed to have that bell installed there uh, because I think that that the closure of that treatment, the, 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 the end of that treatment is a momentous occasion for patients. Um, and many times they're not feeling very well because they're starting to get some of the side effects of radiation therapy. They're about to start perhaps on chemotherapy and certainly to endure decades of follow-up. So this is, this is a, a big step on the journey towards a cure. And, and it's nice to be able to mark that in a way that says, yes, I'm here, I've, I've completed my therapy, I'm done, I'm on to the next step. And it's a very important thing for the patients and for us. Our staff loves that process. Proton therapy seems very hopeful, very exciting. Um, you know, I'm hoping for more and more survivorship and uh, as the years go on. And um, I really hope that this ends up being a successful treatment for patients. Well, and I think what it's going to do is much as IMRT-based x-ray therapy has reduced the number of fractions that we treat patients with. So, so our ability to line patients up with great precision uh, and paint dose either with x-rays or with protons, has allowed us to dramatically reduce the number of fractions that we give patients. So when I was going through training, for example, breast cancer patients got 30, 35, 37 radiation fractions. Now they get 20. Our prostate cancer patients would get 44 treatments very often. Now they get 20 or 25. And that's because our ability to aim the, the radiation beam 
uh, be it, again, x-rays or protons, to know exactly where the cancer is every day allows us to give bigger doses per fraction and get our patients through treatment that much faster with, an ex- with a similar level of side effects to what they would have had with you know, months longer treatment 10, 15 years ago. If you're interested in proton therapy, there's a direct hotline number to speak directly with a nurse navigator to schedule a consultation. Yes, that number is 248-556-2673. A nurse navigator will answer the phone if it's during normal business hours um, and will discuss your case with you. Uh, And you will um, end that phone call uh, with an appointment to either speak by phone to a physician or to actually come in for a visit. I'm so glad we have this option right here in Michigan. Dr. Stevens, thank you so much for being here and educating us on the proton therapy. Oh, thanks so much for having me. And Tracy Clifford, thank you for sharing your journey with us. We wish you the best of luck with your treatment. Don't forget my co-host, Dr. Nick Gilpin, and I are working on future Beaumont House Call podcasts. We're looking into smarter ways to help people manage diabetes, how mindfulness can enhance your health, and we'll discuss topics such as ACEs, what is it and how does it affect your health, fertility, what you need to know and how you can overcome challenges. We remind you to send along any questions or suggestions to our podcast at beaumont.org. Again, that's podcast at beaumont.org. In future podcasts, we'll answer our mailbag. We leave you today with this healthy thought. Cancer is a scary process. If you're battling cancer, you can feel isolated, frustrated, and out of control. But know there are options. Proton therapy can be one of those options for you or a loved one. If you're struggling with cancer, it's so important to find a team that you trust and that will be there with you every step of the way. And like Tracy, can help you get back to the life you love.